A new Quinnipiac poll puts Joe Biden's approval ratings below those of Paul Blart Mall Cop. Inflation numbers continue to shock Americans, and Team Biden is beginning to acknowledge, oh, Macron, isn't that dangerous? But they still want to control you. I'm Ben Shapiro. This is The Ben Shapiro Show. This show is sponsored by ExpressVPN. Don't like big tech and the government spying on you? Visit expressvpn.com slash Ben. We'll get to all the news in just one moment. First, you probably racked up some credit card charges over the holidays because most people do. If you are thinking about the interest rates that apply to those credit cards, if you don't pay them off, you might be getting a little bit queasy right now. Well, this is why you should go check out a credit card consolidation loan from our friends over at Lightstream. Lightstream believes that people with good credit deserve a better loan experience. That's exactly what they deliver. Lightstream's credit card consolidation loans have rates as low as 4.98% APR with auto pay and excellent credit. Get a loan from five grand to $100,000. There are no fees. You can even get your money as soon as the day you apply. Just for my listeners, apply now to get a special interest rate discount and save even more. The only way to get that discount is to go to lightstream.com slash Shapiro. That's L-I-G-H-T-S-T-R-E-A-M.com slash Shapiro. Subject to credit approval, rates range from 4.98% APR to 19.99% APR and include 0.50% auto pay discount. Lowest rate requires excellent credit. Terms and conditions apply. Offers are subject to change without notice. Visit lightstream.com slash Shapiro for more information. That's lightstream.com slash Shapiro. Well, Joe Biden is now officially less popular than the movie Ishtar. Ishtar has a 37% approval rating on Rotten Tomatoes. Famously, one of the worst movies ever made, one of the biggest bombs ever made. And uh, Joe Biden, according to a new Quinnipiac poll, is down at 33%. There are forms of bowel cancer that have higher approval ratings than the current president of the United States. It really depends on stage, like a stage one colon cancer, probably around where Biden, like stage four, yeah, Biden's probably more popular than that. But stage one, you know, he's probably in incomparable space. According to this new Quinnipiac poll, Joe Biden's approval rating among all voters is 33%, 33% plunging toward the 20s. This poll was conducted January 7th through January 10th, released on Wednesday. It found 33% of about 1,313 adults surveyed approved of Biden's job performance, 53% disapproved. These numbers are absolutely abysmal. And by the way, it's across the board. Right now, the, the general American public thinks Biden is terrible by a huge margin, and that's particularly true of independents. Among registered voters, by the way, he's still at 35% approval rating. So all voters, 33%. Registered voters, 35%. Among Democrats, in November, uh, in today's poll, only 75% of Democrats approve of Biden. Now, normally, when you have a president of your own party, you're in the 90s. If you're down to like three quarters of your own party, that means that you are terrible at your job. Among independents, the numbers are far, far worse. According to independents, Joe Biden is just awful all the way through. Right now, the independents are suggesting that Joe Biden is a bad president by a by an extraordinary, extraordinary margin. More than half of political independents, 57% said they disapprove of Biden's job performance. Only 25% say they approve. And of course, 95% of Republicans say that Joe Biden is terrible. Only 2% approve. So I'm not sure who those 2% are. Like the entire staff of the bulwark. Everybody else is like, no, this guy is a garbage president. He is just terrible all the way through. And he's getting destroyed with every major demographic. That, by the way, includes Hispanics. The numbers with Hispanics, terrible. Right now, according to that Quinnipiac poll, whites approve of Joe Biden, 
Only 32% of white people approve of Joe Biden, 57% disapprove. Among black Americans, 57% approve of Joe Biden, 27% disapprove, which is also a terrible number for black Americans, for a Democratic president. Typically, that number's up in the 80s. For Hispanics, according to this Q poll, Hispanics only approve of Joe Biden 28%, so lower than white voters. Hispanic voters are looking at Joe Biden going, no, we are not interested in any part of this. This is a full-on disaster for Joe Biden. By the way, just a few months ago, he was up at 49% in that Quinnipiac poll. And this Quinnipiac poll is reflective of other polling data that is out there. Right now, Joe Biden is underwater in every single major poll. There, there is no poll in which Joe Biden has a positive approval rating. That's because he's a very, very bad president. I'm looking at the real clear politics polling average right now. Right now, he is on average 11 points underwater. 42% approve, 53% disapprove. Here are the numbers from a variety of polls over the course of the last couple of weeks, since the beginning of January. In Reuters, he's got a 45% approval rating. IBD, 44%. Economist, 45%. Rasmussen, 40%. Politico, 44%. Quinnipiac, 35%. And that's among registered voters. If you go to all voters, it's lower than that. So this guy is in serious, serious trouble, obviously. And he should be in serious trouble because he's bad at this. When seven in 10 Americans agree on anything, that is a bad piece of data for the president of the United States. And remember, this guy had a 60% approval rating when he entered office. He was not like Trump, who started off at 47% and remained at 47% and then bounced between like 47 and 35. Joe Biden was up at 60 and somehow blew it all the way down to the low 30s. It's almost impossible to do that. You know how bad you have to be at this job in order to do that? This means that by, by poll metrics, he is easily one of the worst presidents in American history and we're about a year in, which is crazy. It also means that Joe Biden now has the necessity to try and, and pretend that it's all because Republicans are evil and terrible and no good and very bad. We'll get to that in just one moment because that is the new program. Devil goes down to Georgia. Joe Biden went down to Georgia and, uh, and castigated all of his political opponents as worshipers of slavery, which is a hot take when seven in 10 Americans think you suck. It's a hot take that seven in 10 Americans are actually pro-slavery. That's, that's unique, apparently including 27% of black people. So that's, that's a unique one. We'll get to that in just one moment first. If you've been thinking about refinancing your mortgage, now would be an excellent time to do so because at some point in the near future, the Federal Reserve is going to increase interest rates. This is going to have an impact on mortgage rates as well. Timing the market, it can be a dangerous game. So if you're holding off on a mortgage refi in the hopes that the rates are going to drop, you might want to rethink that position like right now. I mean, the latest forecasts project a few interest rate hikes this year alone. The first increase could come in the next month, making now a great time to call my friends over at American Financing. Take advantage of a free, no obligation mortgage review. You will learn about custom loan options that can save you up to a thousand bucks a month. That's correct. Every month. From lower rates to shorter terms, even debt consolidation, they can do it all and they never charge upfront or hidden fees. So, why not see what they can do for you? If you like what you hear, you can pre-qualify for free, possibly skip two mortgage payments, and you might close in as fast as 10 days. Just call 866-721-3300. That is 866-721-3300 or visit AmericanFinancing.net. NMLS 182334, NMLSConsumerAccess.org. Go check them out right now at AmericanFinancing.net. Okay, so with Joe Biden flailing around like this and, and with his electoral prospects looking ever dimmer, this means that he has to activate the, the break glass argument. The break glass argument for Democrats, always and forever is that Republicans are terrible and racist. This is always the break glass argument. So Joe Biden, yesterday, he went down to Georgia looking for a poll to steal. He was in a bind because he was way behind. 
He and Manchin couldn't make a deal. So Joe Biden goes down to Georgia and, uh, and he then proceeds to explain that anyone who disagrees with him on his garbage voting, quote, quote unquote, voting rights bill, it's not a voting rights bill. It is a voting rigging bill. If anybody opposes this, it's because they are on the side of George Wallace and Bull Connor and Jefferson Davis, which is a weird thing to say if you are Joe Biden, who actually served in the Senate with George Wallace and had some praise for him at the time. Here is Joe Biden. I ask every elected official in America, how do you want to be remembered? At consequential moments in history, they present a choice. Do you want to be the side, the side of Dr. King or George Wallace? Do you want to be on the side of John Lewis or Bull Connor? Do you want to be on the side of Abraham Lincoln or Jefferson Davis? This is the moment to decide. This right now is the moment to decide whether you're on the side of Jefferson Davis. Not like 1865 when three quarters of a million Americans died in battle to decide the question. Now, 2022 is when you have to decide whether you're on the side of Jefferson Davis. And the way that you decide that is by giving an 80-year-old decrepit white corrupt man the power to rig voting in the United States. That's, that's, that's the way that this must be done. Now, this has become the Democratic go-to argument. It, it is astonishing. Now, one of the things that people are neglecting about some of these polling data with, with, regard, to, with regard to Biden is that Hispanics represent about 19% of the American population. Black Americans represent about 13% of the American population. And yet Democrats made the calculation over the past couple of years that the only voter metric that matters is black turnout and how the black vote goes. That is absolutely incorrect. Hispanic votes are changing and they are changing very, very quickly to the point that Roy Teixeira, who used to write for New American Century and wrote an entire book at the beginning of the 2000s talking about how the new demographic minority majority would end Republican dominance of politics. He's now suggested that that is completely wrong. He's disowned his own theory. He said just a few weeks ago that if Hispanics start to vote in even somewhat decent numbers for Republicans, Democrats have a world of hurt on their hands. And yet Democrats have not focused one iota on Hispanic voters. Their, their only pitch to Hispanic voters seems to be illegal immigration, but it turns out a huge number of Hispanic voters are not all that interested in illegal immigration. And no matter how many times you say Latinx, it's not going to be a thing. Joe Biden has nothing to offer Hispanic voters, and so they are turning wildly against him. And so he keeps doubling down on this idea that if you oppose him, it must be because you hate black people. That's not going to win over Hispanic voters or white voters or Asian voters, or by the way, even a lot of black voters who are not falling for this trick again. But they just have to keep pushing this. They have to. It's a much more dangerous argument, by the way, than even the argument that Trump was making in 2020. An argument I opposed, which was that the 2020 election was decided by electoral fraud. I don't think the 2020 election was decided by electoral fraud. As I've said many, many times, the 2020 election was rigged only from the perspective that the media intervened in the election in corrupt, terrible ways. That the media suppressed information in the last month of the election cycle. That they purported they reported lies over and over about Trump and Russia for four long years, that they refused to focus in on anything remotely resembling Joe Biden's policy. They refused to ask him difficult questions. Social media cut you down at the knees if you asked any questions about Chinese lab leaks in the middle of the election, or if you had questions about Hunter Biden's laptop, like all of this stuff was suppressed. So in that sense, there was a rigging that went on. And in the sense that there were certain voter procedures that were put in place that loosened voting to an extraordinary extent it made early voting a thing. So early voting is corrupt just by its nature because the fact of the matter is you shouldn't be voting two months in advance of an election. Stuff happens, right? Things change. We should all be voting as close to election day as possible. We changed all of that because of COVID. In some cases, that happened without the dint of law. That's what happened in Pennsylvania. However, does that mean that there were hundreds of thousands of fraudulent votes cast and that decided the election? No. Okay, so that was, by, that, that was 
Trump's suggestion is that the election results were no good. Joe Biden is now making that argument about every election result for the rest of time. He is saying that if he does not get his voting law passed, that means every election for all time, every election is corrupt. You know how insane that argument is? And yet the media don't seem bothered by that argument. And it's not just Joe Biden making that argument. It's Hakeem Jeffries. So Nancy Pelosi is probably on her way out. She's going to lose the House speakership in November by all available polls. And uh, and then she's probably going to retire because she doesn't want to be minority leader. Hakeem Jeffries is one of the possible replacements for her. He is a radical congressperson from New York's 8th District. And here he was yesterday suggesting that we have to kill the filibuster and change all voting law in the United States because of voter suppression. This theory that there is widespread voter suppression in the United States is conspiratorial nonsense. It is no less conspiratorial than the argument that hundreds of thousands of fraudulent votes were cast in 2020. The theory of voter suppression is a lie. I, I, I challenge Democrats to show me one person who is prevented from voting who should have been able to vote in the last election cycle. One, give me a name. Like one name. That's all I'm asking for. But here's Hakeem Jeffries pushing this nonsense. The voter suppression epidemic that has been unleashed by the radical right is unacceptable, unreasonable, unfathomable, unconscionable, and un-American. We must crush it, and we will crush it. That is why it's essential, it's important, it's necessary, with the fierce urgency of now. Oh, the fierce urgency of now. It's all cliches, man. The Joe Manchin Freedom to Vote Act and the John Robert Lewis Voting Rights Advancement Act. By any means necessary, including reforming a filibuster rule that is dripping in racist history in defense of slavery and Jim Crow. It's fun that the filibuster is now racist again. So when Joe Biden was using it for literally 30 years of his career, it was not racist, it was good. And when Barack Obama used it as a senator, it wasn't racist, it was good. And when Democrats were using it literally two years ago when they didn't run the Senate, then it was very good. Now it's bad again. Also, I'm just, I will never, I will never understand why people feel the necessity to go to the thesaurus in order to, in order to drive home their point. It's unconscionable. It's unfathomable. It's unethical, uncivilized, unjust, unreasonable, unfair. I mean, my God, it's unprincipled, unscrupulous, ungodly, undue, unholy. Or you could just say one word because we knew what you meant and it was a lie the first time. It's not just Hakeem Jeffries. It's Chuck Schumer. So the Senate Majority Leader, very temporary Senate Majority Leader, who, by the way, cannot run the Senate. Right now, he's running one campaign and one campaign only, and that is to prevent Alexandra Ocasio-Cortez from primarying him in the New York Senate race. It's not going to stop her. If she wants to primary him, she'll primary him. And nothing he does is going to stop her. Here is a Chuck Schumer blasting Georgia's voting law as voter suppression. Even though, by the way, Georgia's voting law provides for more early voting than New York's does. What motivated the insurrectionists is now motivating these state legislatures to do dastardly things. This idea that there is no change or that this isn't voter suppression. They tried to have one voting place in the whole county of Milwaukee, a million people. They're telling people that in Georgia, where there are much longer lines in African-American precincts than in white precincts, that it's a crime to serve water uh, or a sandwich, um, greatly restricting or eliminating early voting, saying only one early voting place in an entire county where you have to travel 23 miles. It goes on and on and on. Okay, that all of that is not true, by the way. 
No one is preventing anybody from drinking or eating in the lines at the voting place. And by the way, are we such a fat country that you can't wait in line for an hour without having a snack? Like, seriously, who, who are these people who are starving to death in the lines of voting in Georgia? But put that aside. That, that also happens not to be the law. Okay, so this is Chuck Schumer's argument, and it's an absurd, silly argument. It is also mirrored by Barack Obama. Well, one of the things that's amazing here about Barack Obama, as we'll get to in a second, is that Barack Obama is truly a person who believes that his influence is fungible. It is not fungible. It is non-transferable. His political capital is non-transferable. It belongs to him and him only. Get to more on this in just one second. First, you're spending too much money on gas. How do I know? Well, because everybody right now is spending too much money on gas unless they are using GetUpside. GetUpside is the free app that I have told you about. It is available from the App Store or Google Play. Go get that free GetUpside app. And my listeners are now making up to 25 cents for every gallon of gas every time they fill up. You can use promo code Shapiro. Get a bonus 25 cents per gallon on your first fill up. That's up to 50 cents cash back. Don't pay full price at the pump anymore. Get cash back using GetUpside. Just download the app for free. Use promo code Shapiro. Get up to 50 cents per gallon cash back on your first tank of gas. Some people who drive a lot are making as much as two to 300 bucks a month in cash back. There is no catch. The cash back gets added directly to your account. You can cash out anytime to your bank account, PayPal, or an e-gift card for Amazon and other brands. Just download that free GetUpside app. Use promo code Shapiro to get up to 50 cents per gallon cash back on your very first tank of gas. That is promo code Shapiro. Go check them out right now. Get that free GetUpside app. Again, it's available at the App Store or Google Play right this very moment and use promo code Shapiro to get 25 cents per gallon on your first fill-up plus another 25 cents per gallon on that first fill-up. So former President Barack Obama, of course, he is attempting to I would say, inject some life into Joe Biden's White House, and it's not going to work. Political capital is not fungible. It is non-transferable. If you're a politician with political capital, you cannot use that to get unpopular politicians elected. It just does not work that way. As a general rule, you might have coattails if you're on the same ballot. But Barack Obama endorsing candidates has never meant a damn thing. It does not mean anything. And so when he starts writing op-eds, this is his first op-ed, apparently, since leaving the White House. When when Barack Obama starts writing op-eds about issues like the John Lewis Voting Rights Act or whatever it is, that, that, that it's going to mean absolutely nothing. And of course, he's telling the same lies, right? He says, while the American people turned out to vote at the highest rate in a century in the last presidential election, members of one of our two political parties, spurred on by the then-sitting president, denied the results of that election and spun conspiracy theories that drove a violent mob to attack our capital. Although initially rejected by many Republicans, those claims continued to be amplified by conservative media outlets, blah, 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 blah. Okay, and then he gets to his point. Meanwhile, state legislators in 49 states have introduced more than 400 bills designed to suppress votes. Oh, really? Are they designed to suppress votes, all of them? Does it, does it suppress votes when you say that we shouldn't just have like pandemic era restrictions on voting? That we shouldn't have drop boxes on every, on every telephone poll? That perhaps it's a bad idea not to have voter ID? Is that voter suppression? When you define voter suppression as any form of voting law, it turns out it's all voter suppression. Barack Obama says, some of these bills we've seen before. Legislation that would discourage voters, including racial minorities, low-income voters, young people, from casting a ballot. Weird. Why, why, why are all those people incapable of casting a ballot? Why, really? I have a question. Are none of them capable of getting ID? Because every single one of them has ID. You need ID to drive a car. You now need ID in order to like show your face in Washington, D.C. I mean, Muriel Bowser put out a, a notice yesterday that before you go out, you need to bring your VAX card as well as your ID. So to go into a restaurant, you need to show your ID in Washington, D.C., but not to vote if Democrats had their way. Now, Barack Obama says others aim to treat certain polling locations differently. Creating one set of rules for voters living in cities and another set of pe for people living in more conservative rural areas. We're also seeing more aggressive attempts to gerrymander congressional districts, 
weird because Cook Political suggests that the gerrymandering has been going so poorly for Republicans that actually Democrats have added more seats to Congress for themselves than Republicans have in this election cycle. But, says Barack Obama, finally, and perhaps most perniciously, we've seen state legislatures try to assert power over core election processes, including the ability to certify election results. These partisan attempts at voter nullification are unlike anything we've ever seen in modern times. Uh, so here is the problem with that. Republicans have offered in the Senate to vote along with Democrats to adjust the Electoral Count Act. This would prevent failures of certification in states. It would prevent alternative slates of electors from being put forward by states without proper evidence. Democrats have rejected this bipartisan compromise because they just want to campaign on the idea that Republicans are in widespread fashion suppressing the vote. So Barack Obama tries to pretend that we have to get rid of the filibuster in order to do this. This is his key. He says, the filibuster has no basis in the Constitution. Historically, the parliamentary tactic was used sparingly, most notably by Southern senators to block civil rights legislation and prop up Jim Crow. In recent years, the filibuster became a routine way for the Senate minority to block important progress on issues supported by the majority of voters. But we cannot allow it to be used to block efforts to protect our democracy. So he's saying, let's, uh, let's protect our democratic institutions by passing a federalization of all voting procedure and also by getting rid of the filibuster. Let us destroy the institutions of the republic in order to save democracy is the pitch that Joe Biden is making. See, when you're unpopular, there are a couple of ways to fight this. One is to become more popular by pursuing popular policies. The other is to rig the rules. Democrats have decided on the latter. So Republicans are responding to Joe Biden's desperate attempt to swivel away from his failing presidency by calling everybody a racist. Mitch McConnell, the Senate minority leader, soon to be majority leader, again, he blasted Joe Biden in fiery language from the floor of the Senate. Here was the Senate minority leader, Mitch McConnell. He compared, listen to this, a bipartisan majority of senators to literal traitors. How profoundly, profoundly unprecedented. Look, I've known, liked, and personally respected Joe Biden for many years. I did not recognize the man at the podium yesterday. Okay, so first of all, uh, Mitch McConnell should recognize the man at the podium yesterday because that guy's been in the Senate saying the same sort of stupid crap for 30 years. I mean, this is a guy who said in 2012, while he was vice president, that Mitt Romney, the unsweetened oatmeal of politics, Mitt Romney was a man so racist that he would put black people back into chains if he was elected president of the United States. Joe Biden is a congenital liar. Joe Biden is a corrupt politician. He has been his entire career. And the, the sort of old boys club that is the Senate, where everybody is best friends, is really, really silly when it comes to people like Joe Biden. Okay, Mitt Romney, for his part, he makes the point that Joe Biden is going down the same road that Trump did, right? If you don't like Trump declaring that elections are, are questionable, then you shouldn't be in favor of Joe Biden saying that all elections are questionable unless he gets his way. He said that the goal of some Republicans is to, quote, turn the will of the voters into a mere suggestion. And so President Biden goes down the same tragic road taken by President Trump, casting doubt on the reliability of American elections. This is a sad, sad day. I expected more of President Biden, who came into office with the stated goal of bringing the country together. And here's the thing about this. This is that's amazing, of course. Joe Biden is now calling 
on the Senate to get rid of the filibuster. Joe Manchin, Kirsten Sinema, they're not going to do that. But you know who wouldn't have done that when he was in the Senate? Joe Biden. I mean, Joe Biden was literally asked about this during the 2020 election cycle. He was asked, will you kill the filibuster? And he was like, I don't think that's a good idea. We should make no mistake. This nuclear option is ultimately an example of the arrogance of power. It is a fundamental power grab by the majority party. Ending the filibuster is a very dangerous thing to do because it's been used by progressives the whole our whole time to make sure that we did not get rolled over. Um, okay, and it's not just Joe Biden who's been saying this. Chuck Schumer, who's now all in favor of killing the filibuster for this voting rights nonsense, he opposed changing the filibuster like five minutes ago. This is Chuck Schumer when he had a little bit more hair in 2005. We are on the precipice of a crisis, a constitutional crisis. The checks and balances which have been at the core of this republic are about to be evaporated by the nuclear option. The checks and balances which say that if you get 51% of the vote, you don't get your way 100% of the time. It is amazing. It's almost a temper tantrum by those on the hard, hard right. They want the judge, they want their way every single time. And they will change the rules, break the rules, misread the Constitution so that they will get their way. Chuck Schumer should meet Chuck Schumer. By the way, it's always fun to watch some of this old footage because you see people that, that you didn't realize whether that's Preparara, uh, the, the former district attorney in New York, uh, who's sitting next to Chuck Schumer, used to be his uh, chief legal counsel. Anyway, it's a side note. Tom Cotton, the senator from Arkansas, he went further yesterday. He went on the floor of the Senate. And he just read quotes by Chuck Schumer. I will do everything I can to prevent the nuclear option from being invoked, not for the sake of myself or my party, but for the sake of this great republic and its traditions. Those are powerful words, but they're not mine. Every word of my speech today was originally spoken by our esteemed colleague, the senior senator from New York, Chuck Schumer. Yeah, yeah, but consistency is the hobgoblin of little minds. Meanwhile, by the way, Dick Durbin, I mean, how bad is this? Dick Durbin, who's the senator from Illinois. Dick Durbin is a man so radical that he suggested in the middle of the Iraq war that holding terrorists at Gitmo was equivalent to Nazi concentration camps, Pol Pot's mistreatment of dissenters, and the Soviet gulag. He had to apologize for that. So Dick Durbin is no moderate. Dick Durbin yesterday is like, yeah, I think Joe Biden went a little far saying that everyone who opposes him is a Confederate. Yes, there are parallels there. Perhaps the president went a little too far in his rhetoric. Some of us do. But the fundamental principles and values at stake are very, very similar. Uh, no, they, they're, they're not actually very similar at all. Meanwhile, Jen Psaki, she dismissed criticism of Joe Biden. She's like, all these people were fine with Trump. Really? Was Mitt Romney fine with Trump? I missed that part. Here is Jen Psaki being Jen Psaki. Uh, Senator Romney today basically said, uh, I'll use the exact quote, that the speech yesterday that the president gave was, quote, going down the same tragic road taken by President Trump and casting a doubt on the reliability of American elections. Does the White House have a response to that? 
with, with all due respect to, to Senator Romney, I think anyone would note there's a night and day difference between fomenting an insurrection based on lies totally debunked by 80 judges, including Trump-appointed ones, and election authorities across the country, and making objective true statements, which is what the President made yesterday about the effects of a coordinated nationwide effort to undermine the constitutional right to vote. The hell is she talking about? Objective true statements? You're right, it's just like Jefferson Davis. It's just like Bull Connor. These people are, they're, they're insane. Now, the reason they have to be insane is because if they re-enter the realm of sanity, they might be held to account for the fact that Joe Biden is a terrible, terrible president. They have to escape that. They have to escape the fact, and it's inescapable. He is a terrible president, which is why seven in 10 American voters now think he stinks. He'll get to that in just one moment, because he does. He stinks on COVID. He stinks on the economy. He's just garbage all the way around, and everyone now knows it. Get to more on this in just one moment. First, it's a brand new year, and that means you should be pledging to yourself not to waste your time waiting in lines when you don't have to. This especially applies over at the auto parts store. Here's the thing. With the number of car makes and models there are out there, the chances that your local auto parts store is going to have exactly what you need really, really low. They're going to just say, we can order this online, it'll take two weeks, and then we're going to upcharge you. Or you have a computer, and you can go to rockauto.com at home and in your pocket. Why would you choose to spend 30%, 50%, 100% more for the exact same auto parts at a chain store or new car dealership? For example, a Delphi FG1456 fuel pump assembly for a 2005 to 2010 Honda Odyssey, that's 354 bucks in advance. It's 217 bucks at rockauto.com. Rockauto.com is a family business. They've been serving auto parts customers online for 20 years. Head on over to rockauto.com, shop for auto and body parts from hundreds of manufacturers, their catalog is unique. It's remarkably easy to navigate. And you can quickly see all the parts available for your car and choose the brand's specifications and prices you prefer. Amazing selection, reliably low prices, all the parts your car will ever need. RockAuto.com. Head on over to RockAuto.com right now. See all the parts available for your car or truck and write Shapiro in their How Did You Hear About Us box so they know that we sent you. Alrighty, meanwhile, the administration is in a state of complete chaos with regard to Omicron because again, they've boxed themselves in. They do not know how to get out of this box they've created for themselves. Now, again, they, they are in a position. I've never seen an administration step on its own junk this way. It's truly astonishing. Just every other step is either on a rake or their own junk. That's, that's all they step on. Or a landmine. Those are the three rakes, own junk, landmines. That's all this administration does. They just step on those three things over and over and over. It's like a bad Simpsons cartoon. Because here's the thing. They were handed a recovery and they blew it, as we'll get to. They were handed a vaccine and a distribution plan which allowed everybody to get back to normal. And they absolutely blew it. And they continue to blow it because they set up an expectation that is just faulty. I've been saying this since March of 2020. Since March of 2020, I've been saying there's only so much government can do. And Democrats have been saying, no, no, no. Government can do everything. Government can control every aspect of your life and save you all. Well, the answer, of course, is that that's not true. It turns out that Florida which took directly opposite policies of, of California. For example, Florida shielded the elderly and tranched out the vaccines to the elderly first and made sure everybody had the opportunity to get a vaccine and then let everybody go about their business. Florida's death per millions ratio, their death per 100,000 ratio when adjusted for age, because Florida's a much older state than California, Florida's deaths per 100,000 ratio as of January 6th, 2022 is 228.7. Californians, is 219.8. Okay, so they're, they're very, very close in terms of their actual death per 100,000 ratio. And California has been locked down since March of 2020, right, since before I even left the state. And Democrats can't let go of this. They can't let go of this because 
if we lived in a normal world where we all followed the data, we would now be done. The data demonstrate Omicron is not killing lots of people. It is not. According to the Wall Street Journal, the Omicron variant accounted for 98% of COVID-19 cases in the United States last week based on estimates released by the U.S. CDC. The variant has fueled a rapid rise in infections since reaching the U.S. late last year, surpassing surges associated with earlier versions of the virus and almost eliminating Delta. So far, the rate of hospitalization associated with Omicron does not appear to be as high as with the prior variants. The sheer number of Omicron cases has led to the seven-day average of new hospital patients with confirmed or suspected COVID-19 cases running above last January's record highs. However, the period of time that people are actually in the hospital is much, much lower. ICU stays remain significantly below the level of Delta. ICU patients are way below the level of Delta, even though cases are now like triple, quadruple, quintuple the Delta cases that we had last year. And yet we're supposed to freak, we're supposed to freak out. I, I don't understand this. Now, reality is beginning to sink in, I think, for some members of the Democratic administration. They're beginning to admit things that they weren't allowed to admit just a few weeks ago. So for example, yesterday, Rochelle Walensky, I don't know, reality just clocked her in the face. She tweeted this out, quote, study on severity of those infected with the Omicron variant compared to Delta. 53% less risk of symptomatic hospitalization. 74% less risk of ICU admission. 91% less risk of death. Zero Omicron patients required mechanical ventilation. Okay, those are the data from Kaiser Permanente in Southern California, which is the chain my wife used to work for. Okay, those stats are stunning. 91% reduction in risk of mortality from Delta. Okay, well, Delta post-vaccination was already in, had already an infection fatality rate on the level of the flu. If you have a 91% reduction in the risk of mortality from Delta, if I could give you a vaccine that gave you a 90% reduction in the risk of mortality from Delta, you'd consider this a miracle. Omicron is that. It gives you natural immunity with a 90% reduction in risk of mortality, according to this study from Kaiser Permanente. And, and they don't know what to do about this. They, they don't know that they should just declare the pandemic over and be done. They can't. They can't just, just say it's endemic. Everybody's going to get Omicron. Get over it. Instead, Rochelle Walensky also tweets, while less severe, Omicron is much more transmissible. We are seeing the unprecedented impact. Over 1 million cases in a day, 99% of counties with high transmission and strained healthcare systems. Protect against COVID-19, get vaccinated and boosted, wear a mask and stay home if sick. No. Okay, no. The reason no is because, think about this logically. Okay, if you have the choice between getting Omicron, right, you're vaccinated, you're not going to die from this thing. You have the choice between getting Omicron and getting another variant, an unspecified variant we don't know in the future. Wouldn't you rather have Omicron? Let's say you mask up and you prevent yourself from getting Omicron and thereby you avoid the, natu the natural immunity associated with getting COVID in the first place. What have you achieved exactly? It doesn't mean you're going to avoid COVID forever. You will get a form of COVID. The only question is, do you get this form of COVID, which is super not deadly, according to Rochelle Walensky and Kaiser Permanente, or to get a future form of COVID, which could be significantly more deadly? We don't know. Theoretically, it could reverse itself. But they just can't let go. They can't let go. So they're, they're in this, this chaotic situation in which they want to let go, but they can't. And the media are in the same situation, according to the Associated Press. For two years, coronavirus case counts and hospitalizations have been widely used barometers of the pandemic's march across the world. But the Omicron wave is making a mess of the usual stats, forcing news organizations to rethink the way they report such figures. Now, some of us pointed out that really we should be worried about ICUs and death. I pointed that out, I believe, in March or April of 2020. The case counts don't matter. What matters is how many people are getting super sick and dying. 
which is why I never cared if a bunch of 20-year-olds got the original variant because 20-year-olds were not dying of this in large numbers. It's just a data disaster, said Catherine Wu, staff writer who covers COVID-19 for The Atlantic. The number of case counts soared over the holidays and expected development given the emergence of a variant more transmissible than its predecessors. Yet these counts only reflect what is reported by health authorities. They do not include most people who test themselves at home or are infected without even knowing about it. Holidays and weekends also lead to lags in reported cases. By the way, there's a huge number of Americans who have Omicron who aren't testing for Omicron because they're going to get over it and be done. If you could add all of those numbers up, case counts would likely be substantially higher. For that reason, AP has now told its editors and reporters to avoid emphasizing case counts in stories about the disease. Why? Weird. Could that have to do with the fact that Joe Biden is president now and the case counts are extraordinarily high? Like they didn't mind reporting case counts in a running ticker on CNN every day while Trump was president. Now Biden's president and got really bad case counts. You got to stop reporting the case counts. Listen, I'm glad they stopped reporting the case counts because the case count is a stupid metric. I'm just pointing out it was always a stupid metric. According to the Associated Press, no more stories focused solely on a particular country or state setting a one-day record for number of cases because that claim has become unreliable. Throughout the media, there has now been more caution in the use of official case counts. An NBC News story on Monday about the skyrocketing number of COVID cases relied on a one-week average of case counts. A Tuesday story simply referred to a tidal wave of cases. The Washington Post used a seven-day average of cases, compared that number to last Tuesday's, showing a 56% increase. However, a huge number of these stories are now pointing out that you don't actually use case rates anymore. Even the usefulness of hospitalization and death rates has been called into question in recent days, according to the AP. In many cases, hospitalizations are incidental. People are being admitted for other reasons and are surprised to find they test positive for COVID, said Tanya Lewis, senior editor for health and medicine at Scientific American. Again, it's amazing. So, so just when it becomes inconvenient to count cases and hospitalizations and deaths, that's precisely when the media changes its reporting. Meanwhile, by the way, Anthony Fauci is now admitting we're all going to get Omicron. So the next sentence out of his mouth should be get over it, move on with your life. But he will never he will never say that because then he would be irrelevant again and no one would care about him. Sooner or later, as we begin to live with it, what she was referring to is that virtually everybody is going to wind up getting exposed and likely get infected. But if you're vaccinated and if you're boosted, the chances of you're getting sick are very, very low. Okay, well, I mean, that's that's true. If you're if you're vaccinated, you will not die from COVID-19. This is this is true basically from the advent of the vaccines. So why? And if you're not unvaccinated, that's your, your choice. And we can all move on with our lives because we're all passing this to one another vaccinated or unvaccinated, but they just, they can't let go because Joe Biden's a bad president. And that's the bottom line. We'll get to more on this in just one second. First, Helix Sleep. They've got a quiz that takes just two minutes to complete, matches your body type and sleep preferences to the perfect mattress for you. Why does that matter? Well, it matters to me because my kids wake me up at all hours of the night, which means that when I get back on the mattress, I need to go to sleep right away. And the best way to make that happen is to have a mattress that was made just for me. Why would you buy a mattress made for somebody else in the first place? With Helix, you're getting a mattress you know will be perfect for the way you sleep. Everybody is unique. Helix knows that. So they have several different mattress models to choose from. They have soft, medium, and firm mattresses. Mattresses great for cooling you down if you sleep hot. Mattresses great for spinal alignment to prevent morning aches and pains. Even a Helix plus-size mattress for plus-size sleepers. Helix even has mattresses with special cooling technology if you and your family can never agree on the temperature of the thermostat. That one definitely applies in the Shapiro household. So if you're looking for a mattress, take the quiz. Order the mattress you're matched to. The mattress comes right to your doorship for free. 
You don't ever need to go to a mattress store again. Helix is awesome. You don't need to take my word for it because Helix was awarded the number one best overall mattress pick of 2020 by both GQ and Wired Magazine. Ten-year warranty. Tried out for 100 nights. Risk-free. Got nothing to lose. Go to helixsleep.com slash Ben. Take their two-minute sleep quiz. They will match you to that customized mattress. It'll give you the best sleep of your life. Helix is offering up to 200 bucks off all mattress orders. Two free pillows for our listeners. Best deal of the year so far. Helixsleep.com slash Ben. All righty, we'll get to more of the news in just one moment. First, here is your reminder. We are one week away from my first book club event. It takes place next Thursday, the third Thursday of the month, because it is the third Thursday book club, 8 p.m. Eastern, 7 p.m. Central. Every month, I recommend a book that has earned an important spot in our civilization. We're not just talking about new books or political books, but classics, some of which the left have chased out of the classroom. These are the key pillars of the foundations of Western society. We will be reading them together. Not only will the book club hold you accountable for each new read, you'll also get exclusive access to my personal notes and analysis. And then on the third Thursday of every month, I will be joining Daily Wire members online for an in-depth lecture and discussion of each book. You can ask me questions directly. This month's book, 1984 by George Orwell. So if you want to read that with me, it's not too late to sign up. Head on over to thirdthursdaybookclub.com. Receive the materials you will need to participate in our first members-only discussion, January 20th. Again, the first book of the year, 1984 by George Orwell. We'll be reading that together. Head on over to thirdthursdaybookclub.com. That's T-H-I-R-D, thursdaybookclub.com. Get started on your reading goals today. And then join us Thursday, January 20th, 8 p.m. Eastern, 7 p.m. Central. And we'll go through 1984 by Orwell together. Also, we are now at the point where the Supreme Court, any moment, could be announcing what goes on with the Joe Biden vax mandate, this tyrannical vax mandate. And we, as a business with over 100 employees, we've been fighting this all the way, all the way to the bitter end. We have spent hundreds of thousands of dollars in order to do so. We were the first major business in the United States to file a lawsuit against the Biden administration. We need your help. Head on over to dailywire.com slash subscribe right now, because the simple fact of the matter is this is only the first of many battles we will be fighting, I am sure, with the overweening tyranny of the Biden administration. We really appreciate your support. We really appreciate your help. We had well over a million signatures on our Do Not Comply petition. Please help us out with your subscription as well. Dailywire.com slash subscribe. You're listening to the largest, fastest growing conservative podcast and radio show in the nation. Joe Biden is not just bad on COVID. He's also just terrible on the economy, right? There's a reason his approval ratings are at 33%, according to Quinnipiac. I cannot get over that stat. That stat is astonishing. Inflation has now hit its hottest rate since 1982. Since 1982. According to the Wall Street Journal, U.S. inflation at its fastest pace in nearly four decades last year as pandemic-related supply and demand imbalances, along with stimulus intended to shore up the economy, pushed prices up at a 7% annualized rate. The Labor Department said Wednesday the Consumer Price Index rose 7% in December from the same month a year earlier, up from 6.8% in November. The so-called core price index, which excludes food and energy, climbed 5.5% in December from a year earlier, which was a bigger increase than November's 4.9% rise, the highest rate since 1991. This is because we blew an enormous amount of money into the system in 2020, and then Joe Biden decided we need more of that, more of that in 2021. And uh, it was a disaster area. The sort of inflation, by the way, is brutalizing workers. According to the Wall Street Journal, the Biden-Powell price increases reduced real wages by 2.4% in 2021. So you got a pay cut in 2021. According to the Wall Street Journal, it's important to understand what a policy and intellectual failure this inflation represents for Keynesians who are in charge of current economic policy. The Biden administration and Federal Reserve flooded the economy with money in 2021, even as the recovery from the COVID recession was over. 
Fed Chairman Jerome Powell became a cheerleader for the $1.9 trillion March spending spree on top of about $4 trillion in COVID relief Congress spent in 2020. The central bank also declined to withdraw its extraordinary monetary support despite clear signs of incipient inflation. When critics began to warn of excess monetary growth and price increases, the sages at the Fed and White House dismissed it as transitory. That failure is reminiscent of the 70s, when Keynesians also ran the economy, but had no explanation for the inflation that took off or for the stagflation that later set in as that awful decade rolled on. They blamed corporations, they rolled out whip inflation now buttons, and imposed price controls. Only at the end of the decade, after inflation became a political liability for Democrats to Jimmy Carter appoint Paul Volcker to the Fed. Joe Biden remains in denial. He said today's report, which shows a meaningful reduction in headline inflation over the last month, with gas prices and food prices falling, demonstrates we are making progress in slowing the rate of price increases. But actually, core prices without food and energy increased from the pace of the previous month. And this entire price is being paid by people who are in the middle class. If you're rich, you can afford this. If you're in the middle class or if you're in the lower class in terms of earning, you cannot afford it. You just cannot. And by the way, the supply chain crisis continues to marinate and percolate. Pete Buttigieg, a potential presidential candidate thanks to the fact that he's gay, the Secretary of Transportation who's presided over the largest supply chain crisis of my lifetime and went missing for two months to be on paternity leave when no one had suffered any sort of physical trauma at all because, of course, he and his husband adopted a child. Pete Buttigieg, he, um, he says that the supply chain problems are going to continue. This guy wants to run for president. What we know is as long as there is a pandemic, it will be creating disruptions. Now, the good news is we found a lot of steps that we can take, including in the short term, that have made a huge difference. But if we have to bring in so many goods from overseas that a shipping issue or a factory closure thousands of miles away stops us from getting what we need, that's a problem. Oh, well, uh, yeah, it's, it's, it's all about what's happening overseas. By the way, producer prices skyrocketed 10% in December. That's the biggest gain ever recorded, according to Fox Business. The producer price index surged 9.7% in December from the year ago period. It's just incredible. It's just, but all of this contributes to the fact that the Democrats are in serious, serious trouble. According to the Center for Politics, Larry Sabato at the University of Virginia, he is no Republican. Larry Sabato points out that this is going to be a massive year for Republicans. He says that the Republicans could be picking up tons and tons of seats. He says in 2020, the Republicans won 213 seats, just five seats shy of a majority. Republicans are starting this cycle with roughly 35 more seats than they held in advance of 1994 and 2010. And Democrats are not very overextended, at least based on the 2020 presidential results. They only won seven seats Trump carried for president. However, the potential exists for Democrats to have a, for Republicans to have a blockbuster 2022 election, according to Sabato. When assessing the GOP potential in 2022, in 2022, they think the number they have in mind is 35. That would give Republicans a 248 House majority, House seat majority, eclipsing their 247 seat victory in 2014 as the largest Republican House majority since the Great Depression. They think that this is quite plausible. Democrats are in serious trouble and they can whistle past the graveyard by suggesting their opponents are racist. It's just not going to work. All righty, we'll be back here later today with an additional hour of content. In the meantime, go check out our newest podcast, Morning Wire. On today's episode, they discuss a new poll that says Americans care more about inflation than COVID. That episode is available right now on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you listen to podcasts. Make sure to tune in. I'm Ben Shapiro. This is The Ben Shapiro Show. If you enjoyed this episode, don't forget to subscribe to the show. 
help spread the word about The Ben Shapiro Show by giving us a five-star review and sharing the show with a friend. We're available on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, YouTube, or wherever you get your podcasts. And be sure to check out some of our other Daily Wire shows. The Ben Shapiro Show is produced by Elliot Feld. Executive producer, Jeremy Boring. Our supervising producer is Mathis Glover. And our production manager is Pavel Wydowski. Associate producer, Bradford Carrington. Editing is by Adam Saievitz. Audio is mixed by Mike Coromina. Hair and makeup is by Fabiola Cristina. Production assistant, Jessica Crand. The Ben Shapiro Show is a Daily Wire production. Copyright Daily Wire 2022. John Bickley here, Daily Wire editor-in-chief. Wake up every morning with our show, Morning Wire. On today's episode, Biden's election bill push comes under scrutiny. A new analysis finds the administration's economic policies added no jobs, while inflation surpasses COVID among Americans' priorities. Join us and get the facts first on the news you need to know with our show, Morning Wire. Morning Wire. 